0: Welcome to the Vibrant You Health Show with your host, Blake Bars. At Nature's Pantry, our mission is to lead you to vibrant health through the best nutrition, supplementation, service, expertise, and healthy choices. In this show, we aren't interested in fads or quick fixes. Rather, we want to get into the holistic fundamentals of health. We want to answer questions like, what are the underlying causes to health issues, and what solutions can help lead us to vibrant health? You can watch every episode and listen to the podcast by visiting our website at naturespantry.life. The Vibrant You Health Show is brought to you by Terry Naturally Vitamins and Solar Ray Vitamins. At Nature's Pantry, we strive to work only with companies that maintain the highest standards for quality and efficacy. Terry Naturally and Solar Ray are two of the absolute best.
1: Right. Welcome, everybody, to episode 42 of the Vibrant You Health Show. I am humbled and honored to have my distinguished guests today, Dr. Ely, Dr. Levy, and Dr. Artis. Thank you so much, gentlemen, for being with me today. You're welcome. But we're excited. <laughs> okay, so we're going to jump right into it. The goal of interviewing the three of you world-renowned doctors today is to develop a spike protein detox guide that we can distribute to those in need. Um, we'll reference uh key points from this interview and and put links to resources referenced. Okay, so let's talk about it. Let's talk about spike protein toxicity and persistent spike protein syndrome, et cetera, et cetera. What are these issues and where do they come from? Let's just start at the top with Dr. Ely.
2: Well, you know, it, it is the million dollar question, right? today. And uh, I think one of the things that I've been really troubled by reading through a lot of the literature, um, especially recent literature, and there's some really good stuff coming out. Uh, There was a a peer reviewed piece that dropped uh, two weeks ago talking about different mechanisms for spike glycoprotein leading to encephalitis, brain fog, things like that, uh, beyond just the blood brain barrier. Uh, It gave us some insight into the damage that the spike glycoprotein causes um, in the liver and the, it, how it inhibits the liver from producing complement. Now, complement is a very important substance for the immune system because it's what actually signals the uh, macrophages and neutrophils where to go. So if you don't have complement, you can have all the macrophages and neutrophils in the world, but you're not going to launch the natural adaptive immune process, which is so important. So one of the things that we've seen working with um, people who are severely injured and recovering um, is that we are able to get them stable and we're able to start moving them forward. But Blake, we've had this really interesting phenomenon that, that we started noticing, and it coincides a lot with full moons. Now, in natural medicine, when you have symptomatology that work, worsens during full moons, what you end up having is it's pretty much confirmative that there's infections in the body. And so when, when we go through and we read through Dr. Artis's great work on, on, you know, how they figured out how to use yeast and E. coli to mass-produce plasmids and mass-produce the different glycoprotein compounds um, that they want to study in venoms, it, it makes it very simple to understand that what's happening in the human body and why we're seeing those regressions is that when people start getting better because we've cleared some of the spike glycoprotein, our preferred methodology is vitamin C and hydrogen peroxide, especially is fantastic, right? Diluted food grade hydrogen peroxide is fantastic. Is that what we expect to see is that continued improvement from there. But then when we see a regression, we have to be able to explain that regression. Why did the person start sliding backwards after they had already made forward progress? Well, it would make sense if a person has a systemic infections, for example, yeast or bacterial infections, or their microbiome is off. So what we started doing, Blake, is we started testing everybody hardcore for microbiome, and what did we start seeing all over the place? Yeast, 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 yeast. And you know, and then we, I talked with Dr. Artis about it, talked with Dr. Ed Group about it, talked with Dr. Sabine Hazan about it, and what did we start seeing? This looks like the vector for the constant reproduction of spike glycoprotein. So I have a very different take on this than a lot of people currently in the literature right now, which are saying that spike glycoprotein doesn't break down very easily and that it stays in the tissues for a long time. I disagree. I think given the right tools, you know, like hydrogen peroxide food grade being used correctly, like higher dose vitamin C, it breaks down just like any other glycoprotein would in the body. It, it's actually not very resilient. The issue is that it's constantly in production. And so we really have to get to, if we're going to have an effective spike detox, is we've got to get to what we search for as doctors or should be, which is the root cause. The root cause being the vector that is producing it. And so for us, what we're going after right now, and we'll talk about this, I'm sure later with fasting and everything. But we're going after the infections, and this seems to be a major key for the, the recovery process.
1: Beautiful. Dr. Artis, what do you have to add to that?
3: Yeah, it's actually beautiful. Uh, this is something that's uh, really been bothersome to me over the last geez, two years, really, when I actually started looking at the origins of COVID, the spike protein and its similarity in its genetic makeup. To two snake venoms, neurotoxins Ooh. called cobra toxin and bungarotoxin, which is from the crate snake and king cobra snake. And I don't know if you guys saw this. Ely, did you see just last week the National Institute of Health funded a study that is titled SARS-CoV-2 Spike Ectodomain Targets Alpha 7 Nicotinic Acetylcholine Receptors? <laughs> I didn't, but that's right in your wheelhouse, baby. Oh my God. So they just published this May 20, May 2023. Lead author is Brittany C.V. O'Brien, funded 100% by the National Institutes of Health. And they actually published that this, the glycospike protein of SARS CoV 2 is identical to gene sequences of the rabies virus, HIV 1's glycoprotein, and snake venom neurotoxins. I just read it, read it. That's exactly what they said. That's exactly what it is. What's amazing about that? did you know that HIV one spike protein is homologous meaning of similar origin to snake venom components? Did you know that? So HIV one's glycoprotein per genetic assistant scientists have already confirmed for decades that HIV one's glycoprotein, it's spike protein of HIV one is identical to snake venom components. Um, All right, so then once you recognize that they're using venoms as spike proteins, which all venoms are glycoproteins or sugar-wrapped proteins, and then you learn about something called biological and genetical engineering, which I did not know anything about until a year and a half ago. This is when I started speaking out that individuals who have concomitant, meaning at the same time as having SARS-CoV-2, they have concomitant bacteria and yeast infections they have the worst outcomes. It doesn't matter if it was just with COVID exposure and getting it or having long hauler COVID symptoms for, that were worse than others or vaccine injury included. All worst outcomes are in people who have concomitant or at the same time, E. coli infections. They actually published this starting in May of 2020, that diabetics with UTIs from E. coli infections, they had... mortality in hospitals from COVID. This would explain the spike protein being responsible supposedly for causing disease in 28 different tissues. If you trust the Salk Institute early on during the pandemic, they said the spike protein by itself does all of this. Well, guess what else does that? Every venom in nature does the exact same thing. So when they're utilizing venom structures, proteins called peptides, and they're utilizing bacteria and yeast to replicate and synthetically manufacture more venoms, like little bitty factories in your body. You're seeing horrific outcomes. And it was really exciting about six months ago to talk to Dr. Ely about this after I had already known about great Dr. Levy here exposing how hydrogen peroxide could be used to inhale to help people recover from COVID. He published that over and over throughout the last three and a half years, talking to him about that. And then I could not believe it. When I actually got into... Vaccine Development Utilizing Venoms from All Animals. When I read in their patents that the way they detoxify and break apart venom proteins called spike proteins, the thing they use the most often, the commercial standard that they all accept, is to detoxify the venom by mixing it with hydrogen peroxide. And when I learned that, I was like, oh, my God, I had to show Ely. I had to show group. I even talked to Levy about it. I'm like, they use hydrogen peroxide to break apart venoms in the body of a human or a mammal or in vitro in a lab. This is what they use. Do you know what's miraculous about that? Dr. Ely could talk about this all day. He loves studying how cells that make up the entire human body work. And Dr. Levy could speak to this, too. Hydrogen peroxide is made by the human body's cells, by our mitochondria. It's what it does. And this is its defense mechanism to break apart viral particles, or as I call them now, venomous proteins that they're calling viruses. This is what they're doing. They, The body knows how to defend itself. Hydrogen peroxide is phenomenal. Vitamin C, we already know, also published to inhibit and detoxify venoms. It's what it does. It also happens to boost the immune system and have A billion other ways in which it helps benefit the health of an individual. But uh, this principle, I started speaking out about 10 months ago. I said, if you're considering getting a COVID-19 shot, please, for the love of God, do stool samples and find out if you have E. coli or yeast in your body. Because if you do, they're using this to manufacture and spread venoms worldwide and in your body. They're banking on it. They're counting on it. And if you don't study this or look at it, the CDC.gov's website right now has a wastewater, wastewater surveillance tab feature. You can see the entire United States, and they show you the hot spots in every city where they're testing water looking for COVID to predict an outbreak in your town. And then I want you to look at those cities that have the red dots, and then go on Google and type in E. coli outbreak in that town. And you're going to see it published in the media over and over and over. There are E. coli outbreaks. Yeast is showing up in everybody. That is having rebounding symptoms after you see improvements. You're finding either E. coli or yeast, and in uh, Elie's case, with all the uh, wonderful people he's working with directly every week, what a hero! Yeast continues to show up, and until you clear that out, and there's ways to do that, you're a hotbed of continuing to generate and manufacture spike proteins, uh, as I call them, snake proteins.
1: Well, thank you so much, Doctor Levy. Uh... Did you have anything to add to that? What types of issues are you seeing um, with people with pers- persistent spike protein syndrome?
4: Well, this so far has almost been like listening to myself talk in two different voices. <laughs> I would say this. Uh, I agree with everything, but I would give some things even a little bit more emphasis. Uh, what I've currently recommend as an overall quality persistent spike protein protocol, is the very high dose vitamin C with the assistance of hydrocortisone. A very high dose should be 50 grams for a small adult going up to 150 grams for a large adult, okay? None of this five, 10, 12 gram silly messing around. Uh, So that along with the hydrocortisone, uh, then methylene blue, uh, thrombolytic enzymes, and all the different bio-oxidative therapies. But let me focus in on something else with a little bit extra information, and that's the hydrogen peroxide nebulization. That has proven to me so much more than I even considered in my wildest dreams as to clinical responses. And as it turns out, what's everybody been talking about here? They've been talking about a deranged gut. They've been talking about an abnormal microbiome, staying pathologic causing oxidative stress, increased toxin formation, snake and otherwise, leaky gut syndrome. That type of situation in your gut causes most diseases and makes 100% of diseases worse. So there's no more single important unifactor than to have something going on in your protocol to, if possible, normalize that as completely as possible. I've seen now hydrogen peroxide nebulization completely resolve uh, long standing chronic Crohn's disease. I've seen it completely resolve uh, an entire family plagued with black mold disease for years. And, and the whole thing is, is, it's a chronic pathogen colonization in the upper airways and upper larynx and throat that is in everybody. And it stays in everybody for life until they take a biofilm stripping, pathogen killing measure, which is hydrogen peroxide. There's not a single known prescription drug of any type that can penetrate or destroy a biofilm. So you're just spinning your wheels. If you catch the the pathogen while it's free floating and has not yet attached to a surface, antibiotics should help. But once they attach to a surface, you have a biofilm, in 24 hours, and it stays there for life, no matter how asymptomatic you are, okay? And uh, going to uh, Dr. Artis's point, yes, I mean, probably there's nobody that has more of a deranged gut than the chronic COVID patient. There's nobody that has more of a deranged brain than the chronic COVID patient. And it's only by hitting it hard and I want to say when I say bio-oxidative therapies, that's the VC, the hydrogen peroxide, then the ultraviolet blood irradiation, ozone, and hyperbaric oxygen. Hyperbaric oxygen is just not available to that many people. So it's great if you can get it, but it's just not practical. Nobody should go through any spike detox guide protocol without hydrogen peroxide nebulization, any of a number of different ozone applications of blood, and the vitamin C as high dose as you can applications, along with cortisol, which helps push it inside the cells. And the only reason you fall short is, is if you don't do enough. Okay? the um, So can, can we... I'll just say this last point. We, we, we already know now, or we should realize now, because it's larger than the literature, these chronic diseases, especially in the brain, but not limited to the brain, already have chronic pathogen colonizations in situ in the tissue, producing more new oxidative stress than the body can neutralize on a daily basis. Mm-hmm. And that's all effective therapy is, is. Number one, reverse old oxidation. And number two, prevent new oxidation. It's really that simple.
1: Right. So um, is HP, hydrogen peroxide nebulization, uh, what about uh, uh, taking food grade internally diluted with water?
4: Um, You you know, I I mean, I I haven't worked with that a lot. I know the book you're talking about. Mm -hmm. uh, And in some people, it does a lot of good. Other people have a delicate stomach. Um, I'm definitely not against it, but I don't know that it's a frontline therapy because it's just not as readily tolerated by all people. Right. Uh, and then the last thing you want to do when you're dealing with a confused, sick public is have them have a bad experience with the first thing you put them on. Mm-hmm. Then then they just get turned off to everything and you basically mm-hmm. lose your power to really make a big impact in that person's life. Yep.
1: Okay, so talk to me a little more, you guys, about um, why bio-oxidative um, therapies work. What is it about getting oxygen in the, in the body, in the blood? in the cell that's so powerful, um, whether you're doing hydrogen peroxide, whether you're doing ozone, hyperbaric oxygen, um, how does this assist? I mean, I was just reading about um, the the gut-brain connection uh, this morning and how powerful that is. And Dr. Levy, you alluded to that. Um, Is oxygen helping the gut and the brain? And how is is that working? Go ahead, Dr. Levy
2: go for it
3: hey, brian go for it all right
1: so i'll start I'll it follow off up.
3: I'll follow I, will t- I will touch on one thing first about why hydrogen peroxide i think is so beneficial and uh dr levy's comments about uh, using orally how uh, that can create some problems absolutely true for some people but i'm gonna tell you oral administration of that stuff has been phenomenal when we've applied that to people who have been injured or dealing with long-haul their COVID symptoms including myself so we do do it oral and uh, there are ways to actually limit how much it affects maybe your tongue your throat whatever there's an easy another way to part, it.
4: another part of a rapid gut recovery protocol oh yeah yeah and then, okay, and, then
3: and then I want to I want to speak to this because it's very important to the aspect in which Dr. Ely was actually addressing and the audience needs to know this we're having private conversations all the time and then public presentations on this all the time the the concept people need to understand this is very very true if you have a loved one dealing with long hauler COVID symptoms of any kind or neurological, it doesn't matter. Blood, it doesn't matter. The gut's going to be implicated and you most likely have E. coli or yeast thriving in your body that will replicate the spike proteins and you, you got to get rid of it. So how does hydrogen peroxide benefit this? For example, E. coli bacteria in the yeast that manufacture venoms or spike proteins, they are dependent on a low oxygen environment. They are called anaerobic organisms. So anaerobic means they don't want to breathe oxygen. If they breathe in oxygen, they're going to die. And then our healthy bu- bacteria and fungi that live in our gut that makes up our microbiome, that actually benefits from added oxygen. They are aerobic organisms most of them. So when you use hydrogen peroxide, hydrogen peroxide is water with an extra oxygen molecule. So when you ingest it or inhale it, your body literally breaks it apart into water and extra oxygen. That extra oxygen will suffocate the E. coli and yeast replicating spike proteins in your body, but at the same time, feed the bugs that need oxygen and require to live, which is very different than taking an antibiotic that kills all the bugs, good and bad, hydrogen peroxide and ozone. Ozone, just for the audiences, is three oxygen molecules. Hydrogen peroxide is two. So, And then the hyperbaric chamber Dr. Levy mentioned, is added oxygen to the tissues. Oxygen-rich environments do not allow bacteria and yeast to thrive. They have to die. But the other bugs that require life and keep us healthy and support our 90% of our immune system that lines your gut, it requires oxygen, which is the benefit of hydrogen peroxide and oxygen. So in the realm of spike protein production, (laughs) adding hydrogen peroxide, which not only... Feeds our healthy bacteria and kills off the bad bugs that replicate the spike proteins and venoms in her body. That is causing the rebound. This is not something we're making up. Dr. Chetty, MD, out of South Africa, confirmed this again in January of this year. They t- they sent stool samples to Carlo Bragna in Italy for all people rebounding with long hauler COVID symptoms, and he re- he published it again. There's bacteria in these people's bowels replicating snake venom peptides sea snail venom peptides and starfish venom peptides. And Chetty talks about it from a medical perspective. They just use these really toxic antibiotics to wipe out all the bugs and then had to go back in and try to put in healthy probiotics. But that created problems also. And he openly talks about it, but it did help him to continue speeding up the process of stopping spike protein reproduction. So it did help them in the long run. But there's ways to doing that without, I believe, using antibiotics to address it. And I think food-grade hydrogen peroxide is a great way to do that. So that's one way in which it helps. Okay, go ahead.
2: Well, a couple of things. Number one, I want to jump in and say Dr. Levy is right on point talking about the biofilms and, and how fast they occur and hydrogen peroxide is caustic to them. There's another thing that's very caustic to them we've been using for a very long time. And we had to learn this thanks to dealing with a really persistent infection called blastocystis. And that enzyme is called chitosanase. Um, And chitosinase is incredible at breaking down the outer protective layers because that's really what a biofilm is, is it's trying to protect the microorganism and often using um, heavy metals and other compounds in its in its neighborhood to, to promote itself. Um, so there are ways to break it down. But again, man, woman is something built around a gut. You got to get the gut right. And if you get the gut right, the body starts to, accelerate its its own healing process, right? Um, now, there are some cautions, though, with H202, and I think that's the thing that a lot of people hear this, and especially people who are in desperate in dire situations, want to just say, okay, I'm going to go run and try this next thing. No, do not do that, all right? You need to, especially your first experience, needs to be with someone who knows what they're doing, whether it's nebulized or whether it's Um, Whether it's oral administration or especially if it's intravenous administration of it, which I I am not a big fan of, um, you have to know that there are some basic things that you have to keep in mind about um, hydrogen peroxide. One, it is incredibly volatile when it comes into contact with other compounds. So with that in mind, you have to make sure you're taking it on an empty stomach if you're doing it orally. It is absolutely key. That you're taking it on an empty stomach. We only um, recommend that people take it in the morning. Number two, it has to be food grade. Number three, it has to be significantly diluted because the activity window is actually incredibly long. It's actually, surprisingly, um, it's about uh, upwards of 10 hours if you don't neutralize it. Now, there are neutralizing compounds you can use. Glutathione is a neutralizing compound catalase another enzyme is a neutralizing compound so in our designs we when we use hydrogen peroxide food grade hydrogen peroxide we make sure we neutralize it later in the day just in case because we don't want a prolonged activity uh window uh since we're going to be using it for a few days the other thing that we've learned especially in the first introduction of it is that you don't want to use it more than a week All right. You could why? Because it is going to be fantastic at breaking down spike glycoproteins. And like Dr. Artis has been showing us for so many months now, when you break down spike glycoproteins, you're breaking them down into smaller components that are still lethal. Why? Because those segments of the glycoprotein are based upon glycoproteins and venoms. So just because you break a spike spike glycoprotein down doesn't mean. That it's all well and good now. Now you got to bind it and get it out of the body still. So with that in mind, slow and steady is going to win this race. This is not something that's going to be resolved in 48 hours. This is not an acute situation. You have to appreciate the significance of genetic infections. What we are dealing with, it's not gene therapy. It is gene modification, but that's being too kind. You have to get into your head that these are genetic infections that they have figured out how to use plasmids to deliver a genetically infecting code sequence into the human genome and the genome of especially E. coli and yeast. Once you accept that that is what's going on, it makes it pretty easy to understand that this is not going to be, I'm gonna be better tomorrow after taking this magic pill. This is a process. This is a process of undoing the greatest evil that has ever been unleashed on the human biology in, in history that we know of, at the very least. So slow and steady is going to win the race. Protocols are fine to get you in the ballpark, I guess. I don't like them. I think that in a situation like this, especially with so many unknowns, you do yourself well to work with people who actually are doing the work. And there's a lot of people out there that are reading the literature and then coming up with ideas, but not actually seeing the clinical reality of what's going on and if you're not seeing the clinical reality it's a very different picture than what gets painted by a covid celebrity out there and i just caution people about listening to this yes there is hope but that hope requires study and so my big my big advice to everyone is stop being a patient he who suffers and endures misfortune that's what patient means and start being a student he who strives he who strives to achieve. And if you put yourself in a student mindset, you can learn how to overcome very serious genetic infections. And that's what we're all doing
4: right now. Oh. Powerful. Levy. Well, let, let me add a few, a few thoughts there. I certainly agree completely uh, on needing reasonable assistance with oral preparations of hydrogen peroxide. And obviously with intravenous. Although I will say also that properly applied intravenous hydrogen peroxide is absolutely a phenomenal antipathogen. And the really only downside on that is if you uh, go too fast and go too hard, having a Hertzheimer-like reaction uh, and having a rapid detox. But intravenous hydrogen peroxide is right up there with ozone and ultraviolet butter radiation for completely knocking out pathogens. Now, what I would... Uh, and with the nebulization is, and I've had so much feedback on this, literally from people around the world over the last two years, is there's not, no, there's not that much need to proceed with great caution, except for the fact that you got to start with the concentration, and I make it clear all of the time. Start with 3%, and if it's all offensive or you can't tolerate it, dilute it in half with normal saline, go down to 1%, go down to 0.5%. But uh, I haven't run across anybody that doesn't tolerate it at all. And the one thing, in addition to what it does for the gut, and I I think that might be one of the most important things coming out of this uh, podcast, if you will, today would be for people listening to us to appreciate the importance of an abnormal gut on Promulgating all these diseases in COVID and the critical role that peroxide, along with other things, but really peroxide could do as a monotherapy. I want to quickly say, without going into too much detail, that I had an incredible opportunity. I was in South America, Cali, Colombia, with extended family down there. Uh, Before the pandemic, one of my wife's friends had a significant cold. I'd been nebulizing peroxide already for a couple of years for my own sinus problems, and I said, "Here, go ahead and try this." Well, so, you know, within fifteen or twenty seconds, she stopped coughing, and she had been coughing a lot. The next morning, she felt great. Long story short, she begged me to keep the nebulizer and the peroxide. Said, "Well, it's a thirty-dollar nebulizer and a sixty-cent bottle of peroxide from uh, Walmart. I think I can afford it." Fast forward a year. Fast forward a year. Contact her with again. She's become the doctor of her poor, poverty-stricken barrio, And in the course of that year, she's treated 20 advanced COVID patients. What I mean advanced. I mean they're all severely short of breath. And the ones that tested, tested positive for COVID. Classical in the middle of a pandemic. And... She did a regimen of a lot of hydrogen peroxide nebulization. She she jacked it up on me. She did thirty minutes, three times a day, ninety minutes a day of nebulization, three percent the first three days, and one point five percent the last two days. And one hundred percent of them were completely cured after five days. The point being is, I could never have done that in the states because I couldn't conscientiously treat somebody with one therapy when I have all these other modalities. But it brings home to me. Beyond all question and shadow of a doubt, how powerful hydrogen peroxide is and how it should, I I say not only for COVID, I I talk now about because of the effect on the gut, because of the effect on oxygenation in your system, hydrogen peroxide neminization to a greater or lesser degree, that remains to be determined, I promote as being a positive part of any protocol you could put together to treat any disease. Yeah. cool. 100% Hundred percent cool. agreed. Uh, so, uh, Doctor Levy, uh,
1: you go into detail about this this therapy in your book, Rapid Virus Recovery. And you recently wrote an article on Orthomolecular dot org um, titled "Resolving Persistent Spike Protein Syndrome." Um, and so, I'm going to link those in the in the description and in the flyer. Um, and then, uh, I want to jump to the next topic, and I want to ask Doctor Ely. I've heard you talk about the importance of hunger. Um, You talk about there's five things that the body needs for health and healing. Could you elaborate a little on those five things and specifically hunger? And and what do you recommend as a fasting protocol?
2: Right. Well, the the first thing that is that the body is definitely going to need five things. Uh, And the five things that the body is going to need are purification, movement, hunger, nourishment, and rest. And this is a daily need. And what it does is it helps us set up an understanding, because again, I'm a teacher, right? That's what doctor means. I'm I'm into dossier and into teaching people. I don't take patients. I take students. And when we look at this, it's like, okay, well, what do you need? You need to purify. What does that mean? It means wake up and poop. It means wake up and teach yourself how to poop every time, right? Get a little squatty potty, put some phone books under your feet. I don't care. Get those knees up and let it, let it out. And then we talk about moving the body and then the importance of hunger, right? And all of this is in sequence, hunger being before nourishment, that before you put calories into your body, put hunger into your body. Why? Because we start getting some some preliminary levels of autophagocytosis within the cell. Now, people talk about, well, how do we turn off these mRNA sequences? How do we deal with the adenoviral vector hold up and these hold up.
3: hold up dr ely you're gonna to have to define autophagocytosis oh, for the audience thank you okay will do so think of it like this folks you're
2: a being of light you are living in a body that was designed by god to love you your body has all the instructions it needs on how to heal itself when you are hungry when you are hungry at the cellular level the cells say oh great we don't have to metabolize anything there's not really a whole bunch to detoxify let's heal up what's going what's all broken down in here so what they do is they create these little fat bubbles and these fat bubbles will engulf whatever's inside of the cell that shouldn't be in there like a viral infection or an aberrant protein structure or just a Organelle like a mitochondria that's no longer viable. And then that gets carried to this other organelle within the cell called a lysosome. And in the lysosome, there are digestive acids. And when those two bubbles merge, you get a breakdown of what shouldn't be in the cell. So the cell is self healing. So when you think of autophagocytosis, think of self healing. This is the pre programmed by God natural healing living in you when i say god lives in every single cell of your body i mean it the code for healing lives in you there is no other therapy ever invented by man that supersedes what god has given us which is fasting autophagocytosis and there's a second benefit when you're fasting inside the nucleus that's called dna repair and that's where we get into what we have term now base excision repair and nucleotide excision repair and single-stranded repair and double-stranded repair, and all these fancy names to just talk about what the gift that God has given us, that the body is truly at the cell level designed to heal itself when we don't give the cell other things to do, like metabolized foods. So this is where fasting really comes in. The benefit to this, Blake, is that When you are in a fasting state, anything that's not supposed to be in the cell, including a genetic infection in the DNA, can now get dealt with. And what's really exciting about this is when you start studying microorganisms, E. coli and yeast have this same ability to heal themselves in a fasting state. It's called um, uh, ribonucleoside excision repair. Um, and I might be off on that, but it's called RER. And we just found and stumbled upon a study on this this past weekend when we were looking up some research on plasmids and trying to figure out how to inactivate these damn plasmids. Um, so what this tells us is that the grand God design of life is designed to heal itself. And when does that occur? When it, there's nothing else to do. And so what is fasting? Or is slowing, as Dr. Levy would say? What is it? It's giving yourself nothing to do so that the God that lives within you can heal the things that have been broken by man. Wow,
1: that's cool. Okay, so um, we could like, I mean, I have so much I could ask about that, and i will just love to dive into that. Um, But you do talk about that quite a bit on your show on Energetic Health Radio, Dr. Ely um and i'm
2: actually fasting right now blake i'm on <laughs> i'm on day two of a fast right now
1: oh god be with you my friend thank you and you thank really you so much for <laughs> being here on the show during the fast um i was considering it and then i done it because of the show <laughs>
2: it's probably a smart move
1: um so um that's beautiful and, and again you can learn more about that with energetic health radio doctor either energetic health institute um Mm -hmm. and like you said the uh, the definition of the word doctor is teacher right Right, right. and and i want to get into that a little later um and talk about what a doctor is not
0: Nicole Haggerty, your holistic health and fitness coach. If you want to improve your health and life and get lasting results, you have to be the change you want to see. Let me help you be that change. Find me at NicoleHaggerty.com.
2: Hey, Eastern Oregon. My name is Justin Hernandez. I specialize in sports performance training for middle school, high school, and college athletes. My program goal is to optimize an athlete's potential on all playing surfaces. The Breakfast Club motto is creating elite athletes but even better leaders.
0: This is Summer Steele of Body Sayorsa. I am a licensed massage therapist and certified personal trainer. I work with bodies of all shapes, sizes, and abilities to help them live a fuller and freer life connect with me on Instagram and Facebook under Body Sayorsa. Body S-A-O-R-S-A, or contact me at 541-786-5245.
1: My name is Blake Bars and I'm general manager of Nature's Pantry here in La Grand. I had a terribly unhealthy lifestyle when I started working here. I just didn't know how simple and powerful healthy habits could be. Now I love being able to lead others to vibrant health here at the store, through the health show, and in the health challenges we host twice per year. Learn more at Nature's Pantry.life.
0: Hey friends, Lisa here with Wild Holistic Nutrition and Fitness. As a certified personal trainer and holistic nutritionist with 17 years of experience, I'm passionate about guiding others in their journey to wellness. I work in the areas of sports performance, group and individual fitness, personal training, behavioral and nutritional coaching, and gut biome health and assessment. I'd love to help you feel good so that you can thrive and meet the purpose you were made for.
3: Tim James here, founder of ChemicalFreeBody.com and host of The Health Hero Show. After regaining my own health and having massive gut issues and surgery, I'm on a mission to help others do the same. If you're ready to make your health a priority,
4: lose that weight, increase your energy, and just wake up and feel good, you can reach me at ChemicalFreeBody.com.
1: Right now, I want to shift gears just a hair, and I want to cover with Dr. Artis. Dr. Artis, you talk about the similarities um, of venom and spike protein, and you talk about um, how um, the nicotinic rece- nicotine receptors in the brain will take that venom up. But if you have nicotine, for instance, those receptors will take nicotine before the, the spike protein, or from the venom, and then it'll kind of protect you, or if you give your body that, it will. So so my question is, could you talk a little bit about that? Could you talk a little bit about the cognitive aspect here? And then I'm also curious on your insights on um, not just nicotine, but niacin, because niacin is just a generic name for nicotinic acid or nicotinamide, and then NAD as well. And in orthomolecular.org, they published an article, Niacin for COVID, how niacin, niacinamide, and NAD can help with long COVID. Um, so anyway, please take take it away.
3: Yeah. So this is a great topic. I love this one. Thanks for uh, coming up with that question. All right. So I have to. I've had to learn a ton over the last year and a half about something I've never even heard of, never even considered, never thought it was important, never had it presented to me ever. But every cell of the human body, including all of your immune cells, I didn't know this, are all lined with nicotine receptors. And I didn't know this. Uh, I had no idea. <laughs> this all came up for me when I was reading the French paper from April of 2020, where a geneticist in France isolated the spike protein, said it was identical to two snakes' venoms, cobra venom and crate venom, a snake out of Asia. And they said what's interesting about these two venom proteins, called the spike protein, and they published it, Put the words, put the genetic sequences on the paper. They said what's interesting about these two venoms is they target what are called alpha-7 nicotinic acetylcholine receptors. Now, we have heard nonstop outside of this podcast by people all over the world that ACE2 receptors are the target of the spike proteins called COVID on the outside of the virus called SARS-CoV-2. Well, the French researchers in April of 2020 said uh, that's interesting because ACE2 receptors aren't found in the cells of the lungs, not on the outside of the cells. So how is, how is it causing a respiratory disease? And they proposed that it's not a respiratory disease. It's a central nervous system disease because the venoms target cobra toxin and bungarotoxin from the crate snake. They actually cross the blood-brain barrier and target receptors in your brainstem that control your diaphragm's ability to contract, to draw in air, and then that actually paralyzes your heart's ability to contract and how often. And what venom does is it causes respiratory failure in its prey. (laughs) That's what they're utilizing is this aspect of venom that they know if they introduce it in the air, water, food, or in these vaccines Many of these venoms will target the brainstem that controls breathing, and then it will make the human hypoxic. Hypoxic means low oxygen. Well, how does venom do that? It's paralyzing your diaphragm that is a muscle in your rib cage that when it contracts, it sucks in air into your lungs. Well, if you paralyze that muscle, guess what you reduce? The amount of oxygen you can inhale. So that creates hypoxia. Well, what happens when you actually reduce how hard and how often your heart beats by paralyzing that muscle? At the brain stem, which is what these venoms target, it reduces how much oxygen can be pumped throughout your body. So now you have less air coming into your lungs and less air being put in your blood and less blood being pumped throughout your body. And every single one of us around the world who put a hypoxia meter on our finger called a pulse oximeter, when we all started putting that on our finger like we've never done in our whole life at home with a common cold of any kind, now that we started doing that, we can now watch us being paralyzed with these venom spike proteins. You can watch it. Hey, we're restricting your ability to breathe. Check it out. Now, this is what the venoms target, alpha-7 nicotine receptors. And you know what's amazing in that published paper in April of 2020? They said what's amazing is in April of 2020, they report in the paper. We're hearing reports coming around the world that ivermectin, a drug, is halting and suspending worse outcomes for SARS-CoV-2-infected patients. So stopping the progress of covid And they state in the paper, what's interesting about ivermectin is, they state, I quote, ivermectin is a positive allosteric modulator of alpha-7 nicotine receptors. It also binds, like nicotine does, to these receptors. Now, how does this work? This is why it's amazing, Blake, and even now, three and a half years later, do you know smokers are the fewest represented hospitalized and dying from COVID patients in the whole world? Smokers are. It's less than 2% worldwide. And this is what the French researchers in April of 2020 were looking for when they said ACE2 receptors aren't in your lungs. So if that's the target, ACE2 receptors are everywhere else. But these venom spike proteins target nicotine receptors. And that explains the breathing failure, the low oxygen levels in people. It also explains why smokers aren't ending up in hospitals. And how did this explain it to them? Nicotine binds to nicotine receptors better than anything else does, including venoms. And when there's nicotine in the body, regardless from smoking, eating celery, eating a green tomato, which has nicotine, all these plants have nicotine. If you have nicotine in your body and nicotine is in your cerebral spinal fluid that your brain sits inside of, let's say you've got venom on your brainstem causing you to be hypoxic. If you had nicotine floating in there, the moment the nicotine cell receptors saw nicotine, it would let go of the venom and grab nicotine and hold on for dear life. Those receptor sites are perfectly designed by God to hold on to nicotine stronger than anything else in its present, even venom, which is why these spike proteins weren't as detrimental to smokers. In fact, it was shocking to me, and I'll I'll explain this principle here because people need to get it. Did you know the University of Wisconsin last year, University of Wisconsin Medical School, conducted research studies in hospitals in Wisconsin, and they found smokers, current smokers, who were in the hospital for COVID, even though it was very few of them, when they were there, some of them were having worse outcomes. So the medical doctors put 21 milligram patches of nicotine on the smokers to see if they would recover. A hundred percent of them recovered and went home when they added more nicotine to their body. Isn't that incredible? So how does this work? Alpha-7 nicotine receptors on every cell of your human body, including your immune cells and all cells of your gut, which is why so many COVID people had so many gut problems. Venom is made you sick. Spike proteins bind to them. So with respect to nicotine receptors on the outside of cells, you either turn them on or turn them off with a substance. When you turn them off, the cell no longer functions. So for example, in your tongue, you have these nerves that control taste and every single one of those nerve cells are lined with nicotine receptors. So when you drank COVID, when you drank it or inhaled it, you got it on your tongue and then the spike protein of venom hit those receptors called nicotine receptors. Venoms are called antagonistic to alpha seven nicotine receptors antagonistic means you shut off the cell's function. So when the venom hits it, it shuts off the nicotine receptor, and guess what you can't do anymore? You can't taste for as long as the venom is bound to it. So, there's another substance called an agonist. Agonist, when it binds to a nicotine receptor, it turns it on and allows acetylcholine to transfer between the nerves again, and now you can taste again, in the example of a tasting nerve in your tongue. So, This is how nicotine was working for all the smokers, just as a secondary protective agent. As they were building up nicotine reserves in their body their entire life. Did you know, Blake, 85% of all hospitalized patients worldwide, 85% of all hospitalized COVID patients have never smoked a cigarette in their whole life? Ever? 85% of all of them that were hospitalized for COVID never, ever used tobacco products. Ever. Isn't that interesting? How is that possible that those who avoided this substance had the worst outcomes when you were told tobacco products are detrimental, toxic, and deadly to you, when in fact nicotine has a beneficial property where it is an agonist to turning on your cells and replacing what was turned off? So in the case of my wife, for example, she had long hauler COVID symptoms of loss of taste and smell, tinnitus, ringing in her ears, which is horrific. POTS, which means every time she went to move or posture, she would get real dizzy and start to fall with her lowering blood pressure. Uh, it took two years. I gave her everything I could think of to try to make those symptoms go away, and it just progressively got worse until I had her chew two milligram tablets of gum on top of doing her vitamin C, glutathione, and other stuff she'd already been doing for years. When we added the nicotine, within three days, Blake, all of her tinnitus, ring in her ears, her POTS, her tachycardia, her palpitations in her heart- Even her loss of taste and smell, 100% of that actually removed and disappeared overnight, three days later. So this is the power of nicotine. This is when I learned, oh, my God, the nicotine actually turns on these receptors to make the cells fire again, which they're designed to do. So this principle of an antagonist and an agonist. Antagonist shuts off cells functions. Agonists turn it on. Nicotine happens to be one of the most powerful agonists to turn on cells. And you know what's amazing? Do you know that it's published? Nicotine improves cognitive function, how your brain works, thinks, remembers, focuses. Nicotine does that. That's the benefit most likely people are getting from smoking, which I do not actually promote or think anybody should do. There's plenty of nicotine products and nicotine agents. You can get organic tobacco leaf. We've studied that and used that, Dr. Ely and I, with other people. There's nicotine pouches, patches. There's gums. Uh, there are other ways you can get it. Now I've even mentioned here. There's multiple actual plants that God put nicotine inside of: all nightshade vegetables, potatoes, celery, cauliflower. I mean, if it's so addictive and toxic, uh, Doctor Ely, I'd like to ask you: Do you know anybody in your entire life who took a a uh, a break at work and asked their boss, "Hey, I need a ce- a celery break. I need. I'm missing my celery. It's got my nicotine in it." I have ever heard
2: of a celery break or or a, or a broccoli break or. <laughs> Anything like that. All I've heard of is
3: I need to, I need to go and smoke one. Yeah. right? And I, will, and I will speak to this real quickly. Nicotine is in plants, even our veggies. God put it there, and then he built us. I didn't build us. God built us, I believe. And he put these nicotine receptors all over us. Mm-hmm. If it wasn't for our benefit, why did he do that? And I want the world to understand this. Harvard proved in 2015, go Google it. They published, nicotine is not addictive. They could not make animals addicted to nicotine. So in 2015, they published how the tobacco giants figured out how to make nicotine addictive. And in the 1970s, they added a chemical called pyrazines to tobacco leaf and to nicotine. And finally, they had an addictive product. And oh my God, they've lied to you ever since. That nicotine is addictive. It's deadly. It's toxic. Causes cancer if you smoke it. When in fact <laughs> Do you know they lined the cigarette paper in the 70s and 80s with arsenic? You know what arsenic does when you inhale it in your lungs? It's a known carcinogen. But where did they place the blame? On the plant that God created. No, no, you just manipulated and adulterated it and bastardized it. And the FDA allows 600 chemicals to be added to tobacco plants right now. You can look it up on FDA.gov. 600 chemicals they're allowed to add to tobacco plants. Sounds to make like more what toxic. they did to the cannabis Exactly what they did to cannabis.
4: Did any of those ICU doctors uh, offer their advanced COVID patients uh, a pack of cigarettes before they got intubated as an option?
3: (laughs) (laughs) They should have. (laughs) It is shocking to me how few medical doctors, even knowing the hospitals in Wisconsin, conducted a study when they added nicotine patches to current (laughs) smokers that were struggling. They 100% recovered and went home. Isn't that this, shocking, this, Levy? This is
4: exciting stuff, O'Brien. Uh, uh, I've listened to you talk about the nicotine before, but either my brain wasn't functioning well, or you were less informed and researched. But uh, what you presented there was was stunning, and uh, I think uh, and, and, and very profound for not just COVID, but for physiology in general. Hey, Doctor Levy.
3: I shared with Dr. Ely and a group of doctors a couple days ago a paper that was published in 2015. And they actually injected mammals with Coxsackie virus to induce viral myocarditis. Uh And then they published what they used over 14 days to make the animals survive and reverse their myocarditis. Guess what they used only at different doses is to reverse myocarditis in 14 days. Only nicotine. And this was the doses they tested, 0.1 at, milligram. At your,
4: leisure, at your leisure, please send me that article. I'd love I'm going
3: it. to do it. Yes, All right. I'm going to do it. They were experimenting in 2015 on animals, inducing them with myocarditis, and then published that nicotine was able to ameliorate myocarditis. And what are you seeing during this pandemic? Have you ever seen so much myocarditis published, talked about in the mainstream media ever, Dr. Levy, in your cardiology career? No. No, not more than the last two years. Crazy
2: question here, Brian. Crazy question. What did they do to induce myocarditis? They injected
3: them. With what? With a virus called (gasps) Coxsackie virus. So they injected
2: them with something. Hmm.
3: Oh, yeah. And did y'all know, did you know, Blake, that the Latin historical definition of the word virus is venom venom
2: literally translates. Also, I just found this out, uh, Brian, this, it's also the translation in, um, in, uh, the Hindu language. No way. (laughs) Yep.
1: Okay. You guys, do you have any insight into niacin? Do you think it binds to nicotine receptors like nicotine? I'm curious. I I know Dr. Artis. I read your book on niacin. Uh, Do you have any insights? Did I say Dr. Levy? I meant Dr. Levy. Dr. Levy wrote that book. Yep. Yeah, Levy can talk (laughs) more about it. Uh,
4: I haven't written a lot on niacin per se, but uh, something that it leads into, which is very fascinating. Oh, it was Abram Hoffer.
1: Sorry, excuse me, Abram Abram Hoffer. Hoffer,
4: And and with regard to this nicotine stuff, I need to talk to you more about that, Brian, is in dealing with the brain, dealing with mitochondrial fatigue, All the central nervous system disorders and really in the body in general, but especially in the central nervous system, is due to uh, decrease in ATP production with increase in generation of uh, 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 oxidative stress in the Krebs cycle, in the um, four-unit electron transport chain. Now, methylene blue is wonderful because it does... Directly donate an electron to the fourth complex, bypassing the first stages so that it doesn't generate new oxidative stress and at the same time generates as much or more ATP than the electron that we get shuttled down through there. Then you add to that, where is it getting the electron? It's getting the electron from NADH, which is the first complex. And of course, NAD. Going into NADH back and forth. Nicotinamide, adenide, dinucleotide. Because everybody with a a central nervous system disorder is low in NAD. And they have mitochondrial dysfunction. So when you add NAD to the formula, if you will, uh, either by itself or go with thiamine, uh, not thiamine, um, um, The B vitamin. Niacin. Niacin Niacin or niacinamide, which I think, although it does many, many, many things in the body, I personally believe its primary function is to bolster NAD levels in the body. I think that's the primary thing it does. And most all of the other wonderful things that it does is because it has that positive effect on picking NAD levels up. So I submit to you. For the chronic COVID patient, you have a regimen, we've talked about it, with methylene blue, with NAD, okay, uh, with magnesium, with hydrocortisone, and with insulin. All of those things work to push vitamin C inside the cell. Which Insulin or cortisol? Uh, what's that? Insulin or cortisol? Both of them. Both of them. Both of them, that's that's probably the primary role of both of those substances, although you might never heard it put that way. So do all of that, and I guarantee you're going to see some of these early diseases, neurologic diseases, fading away, especially if, not to sound like a broken record, at the same time we're normalizing the gut function, with the peroxide nebulization, the first thing that ever occurred to me why I even got off on this gig of bowel function and hydrogen peroxide nebulization peroxide was about six years ago. The first time I nebulized it for my sinuses, eighteen hours later, I had the most incredible formed bowel movement of my life. Nothing <laughs> in my life ever came close. I mean. It started and my eyes popped out. I said, what on earth is happening? Never, never, never. But that's how quick in many patients, not all of them, you can normalize gut function. Because the gut regenerates itself every three to five days with its stem cells. So, for example, a leaky gut syndrome is not a chronic disease. It's the chronic infliction of an acute insult. OK, because if you're swallowing all the pathogens, you're swallowing all the toxins, you're getting all the free iron in from all the pathogens once they do rupture and die. And all of this promotes the abnormal microbiome, which does all the things that uh, Dr. Artis mentioned and, of course, allows. I mean, when we talk about funguses in the body. You don't get funguses in the body unless they come through the gut. I mean, let, let's make that clear. That's where they come from. They come from the gut. So you may be spilling, uh, spilling uh, viral uh, fungal antigens in the urine. It's made its way inside the body, but it's not living inside the body. It's being fed by the gut, and the moment you cut off that, uh, that water supply, it stops. Yeah.
1: Uh, go ahead, Just, uh, Dr. Ely, one sec. So, Dr. Artis, please, if you have time, look into the niacin. I'm curious if it has some kind of similar thing to the nicotine if it binds to that because uh, one of the things niacin has been known to at high doses is help with neurological issues as levy alludes to okay go ahead dr ely yeah
2: well yes it, it does <laughs> have a role with that uh blake and um this is where you'll get the cuprous form of nicotinamide and you'll see a lot of nad and nadh being used and nad plus in supplementation it's all designed to do that uh, i was wondering if uh dr levy i stumbled upon a uh research article last night um well it's not really it wasn't re- it was just a, a collection of research articles but um have you were you aware that methylene is also in androgryphus methylene blue Meth- not methylene blue methylene methylene blue is going to be from for the, w- the what they used to, to dye clothes way back when um but uh in terms of the methylene structure it's in androgryphus.
4: Mm, no i'm not, not yeah i know i hadn't oh, heard of it yeah, till
2: last right. night either so um i just wanted to i i, I thought it was kind of curious i knew you're going to be on today and i was like oh look at this look what just popped up at it i wasn't looking for that at all i was just like whoa and then you find it and it's like so i'll send that i'll send that over as well i don't have your number you can we can exchange at the end but um uh what i wanted to what i wanted to say was that you know when you're when you're talking about the healing process i think it's also blake very important to get people into an understanding that healing is going to be much more than a pill, a pill or a potion. You know, we we put so much energy and so much emphasis on all these nutrients and everything like, hey, we're, we just got to get this, this chemical formula correct and everything is going to right itself. And yeah, they're super important. But the thing that I, I like to bring forward to people is that the healing process, especially from something as, as just demanding as a genetic infection is going to be really the ultimate test of your soul you know you have to be willing to understand that there's much more to a healing process than simply taking the right supplement or taking the right nutrient you know i mean i've seen it out there and and we're certainly guilty of it too we're, we're we've done some pretty robust Combinations of nutrients much more than I ever would have thought I would have needed to even explore. And what we're doing now is starting to pair those back and go. Look, you can create just as much chaos in the cellular environment by overloading it with nutrients as you can overloading it with toxins. You know, there has to be washout periods. Like this is what we're getting across to students now at the Energetic Health Institute is, you know, you're, this healing process is going to take some time you know, if you're severely injured from the damn shots, this healing process is going to take some time. If you've been genetically infected, it's going to take some time. Just base excision repair, nucleotide excision repair, these are not fast phenomenon that go on. So with that in mind, you have to set up a healing lifestyle. And that healing lifestyle does incorporate rest. Rest from taking these. Washout periods are very important when you're taking especially higher dosing of nutrients and higher dosing of herbs and higher dosing of of uh, what I call pharmaceuticals. I know that that bristles some some people, but that's where they are to me. Um, You know, it it requires an understanding that this isn't going to be an overnight thing. So what we've done is we've evolved, Blake, into something I think is very important for people who are recovering. Two week on, one week off approaches. Um, Typically, I would approach people by doing like a 28 day and then give people a couple days off, you know, when I'm working with them. But now with this, what we're designing are five different stages of things that have to be addressed, among them the gut and gut health, but that what we're really doing is saying you have these skill sets you have to learn. You have to learn how to deal with hemagglutination and inflammation, we can teach you that. You have to learn how to deal with clearing spike glycoprotein. We can teach you how to do that. You have to learn how to deal with killing off infections and, and disabling, dissolving plasmids, and we're learning how to do the latter with plasmids. You have to get your liver and your kidneys flushed out because where do you think all that waste that you just created is gonna get caked on? It's gonna get into those organs. And then you have to learn how to really work on long-term regeneration of the neurology, which is a a whole nother issue. So it's not just clearance of spike glycoprotein and then everything magically gets better. It's a process, it's a process that takes time and that's why it's so important, not just for the body, but for the person's soul, to have regular rest built in. And it's interesting that during those regular rest periods, the, the one week off, where you can get in a fast and let the body do what God designed it to do, which is heal.
1: Mm. Yeah, that's awesome. Do, do you guys have anything to add? I, I want to ask if um, you have a few more minutes to give me this morning. You guys got to run? I've actually only got like five more minutes. Okay. Okay, so um, what I I kind of want to get to real quick in closing is just the, like what Dr. Ely alluded to, that um, in our materialistic world view, we've, uh, we've narrowed things down to just a physical cause and a physical reaction. And the human, God made us to be mind, body, and soul. So you cannot treat the person with just treating the body um with just treating physical things even plato said that you can't heal somebody without seeking to heal the soul so um i guess just in closing what encouragements do you have for people um in their in their journey to holistic well-being mind body and soul i'm going start with you dr artist
3: So one of the best things for me I found even in clinical practice was most people had thought that all of their symptoms and diseases they had been diagnosed with for the 20 years I was in practice, they all would come to me thinking that their problems were mysterious because the medical profession couldn't solve their problems other than just giving them a name of the problem, a diagnosis, or then just dismissing their differential diagnoses. So they had a whole bunch of things and they told you what it wasn't. I mean, how many times you've been told what your symptoms or your problems aren't, but how many times you've been told what the root cause is, and it's not generally a name, it's actually something that causes it. So I think to start building for people faith in their body's ability to heal and how it recovers, I, I found the best way to do that was to actually remind the individuals, even those in this audience, how the body heals and how you know it will do it, but it doesn't do it overnight. Like... Dr. Ely has continuously, eloquently uh, projected. So this is how I would do it. Patients would always go like this. So let's just do it in this scenario. Um, I have long hauler COVID or I've been vaccine injured. Doc, how long is it going to take to heal me or heal my body? My response, no matter what the disease was, I'd always go like this. Well, how long does it take for the body to heal an organ? And they'd go like this. I don't know. And I'd go, yes, you do. And this is just a reminder. This starts to replace the doubt that has been created in them intentionally on the body's ability to heal and how it does it. But Blake, you and all of your audiences know people who have actually broken a bone in your body. Uh, someone's broken an arm, a leg, a femur, a shoulder, an arm, whatever. You've all broken bones or you know somebody who has. How And does the world know or does your audience know that a bone, a skeletal bone in your body is considered an organ? An organ is just some system that has multiple functions. Well, bones do that. They not only provide a skeletal structure for the rest of your body to be able to stand erect and not collapse on itself, but it's also bone, provides bone marrow and holds bone marrow that makes all your red blood cells and white blood cells. So it has multiple functions. So for those of you who have broken bones or known someone who has, how long did it take for your body to repair the broken organ? All by itself. And the and the person would look at me every time and your audience should be thinking it right now. Six to eight weeks is generally what everybody says. Six to eight weeks. And I go, right, that's two months. I don't care if you broke your arm today, Blake. Would it be better tomorrow? No, no matter what you did, no. No, it takes time for the body to heal and you have to give the body rest. Now, my question for the audience is, I used to ask my patients this all the time. Does the medical doctors you go to, do they have any part in the body's ability to heal the bone? And you know what often what they would say? Yes, they do. And I'd go, oh really, what the medical doctor do? And they go like this, they put a cast on it. And I'd go, great, did the cast heal the bone? Did the cast have anything to do with the two broken ends of the bone growing back together on their own? No, the medical doctor, Nobody should ever admit that the doctor themselves repaired the bone. Even if they put a rod inside broken bones, uh, which none of us on this call are uh, bone surgeons that I'm aware of, but as soon as you put the rod in there, what are they x-raying every couple weeks to watch? All they're doing is watching to see is the body regrowing bone around the rod we put in there. The medical doctors don't tell it to do that. Your innate immune system does that. God created the instructions for the body to know how to repair itself. And how long does it generally take for the body's innate immune system to repair itself? Mm-hmm. It has to get rid of the broken cells, get rid of all that debris, and then replace it with healthy ones, and then go gather up minerals like calcium and magnesium to rebuild the bone. And everyone knows it takes six to eight weeks. Well, for some people, it takes eight to 12 weeks. What's the difference for those people? Some people, it won't heal altogether, and they go put in screws and bolts and stuff to hold it together. Why isn't it recovering? Why is it not repairing? What's the limitation? You're not resting or you're intentionally re-breaking the break over again. If you continue playing the sport or doing whatever activity you did to break it the first time, you're either not allowing it to rest or you have inadequate minerals in your body the immune system can utilize to repair the bone. And far too often, like Levy mentioned earlier, magnesiums that missing deficient component. For people who can't heal bones appropriately, magnesium carries calcium out of the blood and back into your bone. So if you're not healing in a normal rate, you most likely have a deficiency in magnesium, for example. So these are people, once they start to recognize, oh, yeah, it did take my bone or my loved one's bone six to eight weeks, 12 weeks to recover and heal. The next question is this. Did it heal? Yes. Did it heal as fast as you wanted? No. Everybody wants instantaneous repair. The human body doesn't work that way. And even the medical profession has to sit back and just observe how healthy is this body and how well is it responding to anything they've done. They're just waiting to see what's the innate immune system doing. And so in that sense, I just want to remind the audiences, the body heals. You already know it takes time to heal. I don't care if you even have a high ankle sprain, basketball players, you're not playing tomorrow, (laughs) no matter how bad you want to. It's going to kill you. It's going to hurt. You might as well rest it. Stop walking on it. Get some crutches or get in a seat and let the body rest and do its job. It just isn't instantaneous. It never has been when it comes to healing. There can almost feel like there's moments where you can block the pain of the injury with a drug to block pain reception. I mean, there is ways to do that, but you didn't fix anything. You just blocked your perception of pain that your body has to go through in the healing process at times. So just remember the body does heal. God created the mechanisms, put them in place and you need to be patient and have faith in what God put inside of you, instilled inside of you. You did not create you. Someone's far smarter, greater, more intellectual, far more advanced than me did. Right.
1: So put faith in what he created. Yeah. Oh, thank you so much. Yeah. Dr. Ely, You talk about, uh, doctors weren't meant to replace God right,
2: right.
1: yeah and uh and and what their role is yeah
2: doctor means dossier right? it means to teach right latin root to teach nurse means nourisher um the the way it was set up or was supposed to be employed was if a doctor comes in who teach figures out and teaches the um student what the student needs to learn to not need them and the nurse as a nourisher, helps that person recover their health. That's the way it was supposed to be. Um, Patient comes in as a he who suffers, he who endures misfortune. And that is brought in predominantly by the Carnegie's and the Rockefeller's and the Rothschild's who want to monopolize medicine. So what do they need to do? They need a lifelong customer. Well, how do you create a lifelong customer? Poison them and tell them that it's medicine. And then, what you have are people who are in a role of not knowing something simple like where their liver is. Most people don't know this. It still blows my mind. Folks, your liver's on your right side. An easy way to remember it is live right. All right. But if you don't know where your liver is, then most people don't know even what it does. And then, if you don't know what that does, what about all the other organs and all the other cells and this amazing, beautiful gift you've been given? You have to learn how to care for it. That means that you have to be a student if you really want to be free. In this day and age, there's no greater assault. There's no greater ushering into slavery than being in a diseased state. There's nothing like being diseased that's going to make you a slave of an industry that does not love you and only wants to profit off you for as long as you can breathe. So what I say to people, Blake, and, is and thanks for having us today, and it's been a real pleasure, Dr. Levy, this is the first time I've had a chance to meet you, and um, I've, been a, I've been reading your work for a long time and just been a fan. So just it's nice to, you know, see some folks like that who weren't co-opted, you know, and you're just like, "Look, I get it. <laughs> there's a lot more of this. That's awesome than, than there's not. But I think that my message to people is to, one, become a student be someone who strives rather than a patient, someone who endures misfortune. Number two, to be, choose very wisely as a student who you want to have teach you. And the best people to teach you are the ones that walk their talk, like Dr. Levy. He's telling you, I'm talking about, you know, nebulized hydrogen peroxide because I used it. Well, that's a good person to listen to, right? Dr. R the same way when he's talking about everything that he does. I mean, You are, you got three people on this show that we do our best to whatever we preach, we also practice. Those are the people that you select as your teachers, not the ones that are out there saying, Hey, this research and that research, and you know, it's like, yeah, that stuff's important, but so is real life experience. And the last thing I would tell people, Blake, and again, thank you for having me today, is the most important vitamin for you to take every day is vitamin belief. Mm -hmm. If you're going to heal, The one commonality that every single person who heals from serious issues has is they believed they were going to heal. And what that belief does is it drives the daily work that it takes to get up out of bed, even when there's uncertainty, even when there's so much in front of you, and do that work to help restore God's divine order within your body, because that's really what the definition of healing is the restoration of God's divine order within.
1: Wow. Dr. Levy.
4: Are- I would only add, and it's been touched upon, but I would put the biggest emphasis on really two things. Number one is finding the right uh, medicine provider. Okay. Most medicine, uh, re- regular medical doctors or health care practitioners, uh, don't care about you, they're not interested in listening to you, they're not interested in talking to you, and uh, considering the number of natural therapies that they suppress, they deserve to be incarcerated, okay? So that's number one, and number two is find a good biological dentist, okay? You're not going to get any of this done in the long term, If you have infected gums, infected teeth, infected tonsils, infected sinuses. And there's specialized testing done these days that must be done because these things are asymptomatic. You don't know you have a blood sugar of 400 until you measure your blood sugar. And you don't know you have an asymptomatic abscess tooth until you do the proper 3D x-ray testing. Uh, I say no professional specialty does more harm to more people on the planet than a mainstream dentist. And there's no body that does more good for people than the biological dentist. That's how critical the mouth-body connection is. So find the right doc, find the right dentist, uh, believe in yourself, believe in your own intelligence. I mean, don't discount yourself to just Come upon simple concepts, or you don't even think they're simple, but read it through. Uh, I don't, don't read an article that's what I call abbreviology. I mean, if you have an article that has a dozen abbreviations in every three sentences, don't waste your time. The researcher is not interested in being understood. and just wants to have another notch in his research count belt, okay? And couldn't give a damn less whether his article is ever used for something positive. So really most of your good articles are your one and two author articles, one and two authors. Those are articles where more often than not, uh, if it's a good person, they go into reasonable headed explanations, discussions, and don't drown you in uh, an avalanche of BS and abbreviations.
1: Yes.
3: Yes. A couple incredible things there. Okay. That was a cardiologist, Doctor yeah. Thomas E. Levy, <laughs> saying bio- uh, bi- biological dentists have done more good and will do more good. I love it. I love Doctor Levy's perspective. Holy yep.
2: cow! So yeah, right. right on. And for Thank- folks listening, you can you can Google if you don't, you can do bio um, biological dentist, but you can also look up holistic dentists. And a great question for to to interview a dentist on is, do you use mercury amalgam fillings? Anyone who knows anything in dentistry and holistic. And do you do root you. canals? And do you do root canals? Those <laughs> right. are the two questions. If, if they say yes to root canals and they say yes to, or yes to amalgam sure. fillings, that's sure. not sure. the person for you. Right. No, find another way. Find a sub, so find so keep shopping.
1: In <laughs> right. closing, I just want to mention the things that you guys have been talking about, um, vitamin C, hydrogen peroxide, fasting, um, some of these things. Um, nicotine that's found in naturally in in plants and foods um you know these things isn't it amazing how god has abundantly provided the things we need to heal basically abundantly and affordably if not free in advance to match up against and neutralize any man-made toxins meant to harm us um you know jesus said to the blind beggar receive your sight your faith has healed you And then the beggar and everyone Uh praise God. It seems that throughout human history, we've had two main options of where to place our faith. Do we put our faith in our own strength to save us, or do we put our faith in God? In our path to health and healing, do we find ourselves praising God or praising man? Perhaps in seeking the answers to these questions, we will, too, receive
4: our sight. Amen. You know, I'll say this, too. (laughs) Uh, yeah. if, if the son of a guns come up with, uh, another plague, whatever it is, pathogen, toxin, you name it, uh, that can't be dealt with, with the biooxidative therapy, then the whole planet's is going down, including the son of a bitches who created what, who created the disaster that's hitting the planet. So uh, not that that's a comforting thought, and, but, uh, and as a, and as a uh, reminder, hear. I just want to say
3: this. I want to ask Dr. Levy this while we're on here. Uh, I love time spending with these individuals. Okay. Dr. Thomas E. Levy, cardiologist extraordinaire. If scurvy was plaguing the world right now, do you think they would be telling everybody, hey, we learned this once before, just consume a lemon or lime a day and get your 10 milligrams of vitamin C? Or do you think Pfizer and Moderna would create some vaccine to save the 3 million who died like before? Right. when scurvy was around, what was the solution? A drug and vaccine or food? Yeah,
4: obviously a drug and a vaccine. I mean,
2: well, yeah. I it's goodness. gotta be. Cause you were, you're clearly vaccine deficient. So that's, <laughs> that's what was going on. Hey, I want to, I want to end on a thought here, uh, Blake, if I can, this comes from Maddie to Gary and Stephanie to Gary. Um, they made me a really wonderful joy jar, you know, just awesome, awesome people. Um, I think it's a good thought here. When you focus on the good, good gets better maybe that's a good lesson for us in this day and age there's a lot of crap out there and it's easy to draw our attention to but you know what just being on a talk like this today with all three of you it's clear that there's a lot of good out there too and we need to make sure it gets its due and its attention um even beyond all the negativity
1: amen absolutely very good gentlemen doctors what a blessing to have you May God bless you. May he keep you. make his face shine upon you. To all everybody watching, we love you. God bless you. I'm going to um, link all the ways you can find these amazing doctors on their websites in the description. All right, you guys, thank you so much. Okay. Bye bye. Take care.
0: The information provided in this show is intended for your general knowledge only and is not medical advice. If you have or suspect you have a specific medical condition or disease, please consult your healthcare provider. If your provider has a strong understanding of nutrition and holistic health, even better. The opinions expressed on this show are those of the host and the guests and do not necessarily reflect the views of Nature's Pantry.